Welcome everyone to another episode of Dawnless Streaming. Today we are joined by a very special guest that I connected through my uh, my experience of studying abroad. We met through just <laughs> going through different comp sci classes to just being best buddies and pretty much just FaceTiming every other day when I was studying abroad in Egypt and she was in Guatemala. She's someone who is passionate about driving progress in communities all across the United States as a co-founder of Launch Local and internationally as the founder of From Houses to Homes. She's currently a senior at UNC Chapel Hill, who is also an incoming full-time technology consultant at EY. So welcome to the show, Nikita Bowman. Tell us what's going on. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of <laughs> Super course. Super excited Thank you for to be being here. on. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get into things. How, how are you doing, you know, with the pandemic? What have you been working on this last year? What's going on in your life? The pandemic, none of us expected it, right? So we just kind of have to roll with the punches. Senior year isn't really what I expected, but I have picked up a couple hobbies Mm. in the quarantine, which has been nice. So um, this past summer, I picked up golf, which I never expected to pick up. (laughs) But here we are. Um, And then most recently, I founded a nonprofit with some friends who work full time in tech and consulting. So that's what Kush was talking about with Launch Local. Um, It's a nonprofit that helps local businesses with digital resilience. So and then I'm I'm a big uh, proponent of meal prep. So I do that most Sundays. My roommates will catch me uh, (laughs) with my roasting chicken and maybe Brussels sprouts in the oven pretty often. So it's it's great. Are you still uh, using the, the, the pudding well. tip I told you that you can eat with Greek yogurt? Yes, the pudding is a classic. Greek yogurt also a classic. Yes, sir. I'm glad. It's funny you bring up. <laughs> it's funny you bring up golf. I actually have been getting interested in it recently. I don't know. In the past, it always felt kind of boring, but nowadays, just like there's a whole like skill set to it that I just overlooked. I think Top Golf is that what it's called? Is the the one where you like go to like those putting sites and you just whack it as far as you can. I don't know why, but something exactly. about that's just like in- interesting. Um, I remember I think yesterday before I was talking to someone about golf and I was like, "That's not a real sport," and they're like, "Uh, what sport do you play?" And I just got burned right there. <laughs> <laughs> I I couldn't think of an answer fa- fast enough. It was so funny. Wait, so how did you get in golf? Is it were you just like playing with friends or? like family or something? So my stepdad has been playing for the past few decades, right? And I thought it was just something, you know, you do in business, you just end up doing it because your friends do it. But I, this the courses have been great with the socially distant uh, activities. So we just found ourselves going this summer because they're local and I'm super lucky that I have them, even though I'm not living with them um locally so it was it's nice to hang out with them from a social distance and they enjoy it and i can pick up a skill that i'll be able to use in the business world as well Mm. and it's just kind of fun interesting yeah i mean i know you're pretty well versed with dancing as well you know picked up some moves here oh you give me too much credit (laughs) (laughs) oh man but it's i i think that's very interesting how um, I think sports, like the way sports is uh, like these days, I think it really got popularized because of the whole politics and business. You know, you look at Olympics and Commonwealth Games and um, it's interesting how I think golf really does have that that place in the business world because like when you think about it, it's just basically all the business people that play golf, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of etiquette that I didn't realize 
you have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So you don't walk in front of some in the line of the ball between someone's ball and the hole because it could ruffle the grass. It's little things like that that you kind of need to be taught in order to know what the proper etiquette is. And I think that there's some general etiquette in business as well. So I think it goes hand in hand with knowing what to do when. But to be honest, it's kind of just fun to go out with the girls and like hit a ball with a stick sometimes. So <laughs> you have to you have to have fun with it. Yeah, and like with the younger athletes that are getting involved with like golf, uh, watching like Steph Curry play Patrick Mahomes and then even uh, – Tiger Woods' son played with him, mm. and, like, their form was almost exact. Just watching that is, like, so inspirational. And it's like, wow, this is a sport that I think I could get behind now. Um, and then also, it's like, golf is something that you almost always have to have, like, on a resume, I feel like, for business, like, for any kind of business. Because, like, that's where everybody goes to meet. Uh, I don't think you have to necessarily have it on a resume. But maybe talking about it, just yeah. knowing generally how the game is. It's nice to just chat with someone because you end up talking about some business things if you're just hanging out with them. But I wouldn't say it's a prerequisite whatsoever yeah, yeah. for business. Mm-hmm. I see that. Because like for me, I, I don't think I'm a golf person. I don't think I could see myself playing golf, but I think it'll be interesting. I feel like it's a sport that you just stand around a lot. And I like to move and actually work out. You know what I mean? So, like, that's my that's my only critique with it. I, I don't know much about the sport. Maybe you do exercise a lot. You know, like basketball, soccer, you're moving around a lot. Golf, you're just pretty much staying still, you know. It's more of a recreational thing. Mm-hmm. You don't really have to be fit to do it. <laughs> Which makes sense. Anyway, moving on. Um we were looking at your LinkedIn and something that we found very interesting was that you like climbing <laughs> volcanoes. So what what volcanoes have you climbed and what was that experience like? Yeah, great question. So um, I founded this Guatemalan culture club and I've been to Guatemala a couple of times with that organization, partner with a nonprofit called From Houses to Homes. And I interned with them over the summer after my sophomore year as well. So I've hiked Acatanango and Pacaya, two volcanoes in Guatemala. Um, it's super cool. I The first one I hiked was actually the second day I was in Guatemala for my internship. I met some people from Israel the first afternoon that I flew in in the central square. And then there was some art exhibit. I was just chatting with people and they said, hey, we're, we're hiking a volcano tomorrow. And I got their numbers and then I went home and I was thinking, I'm going to get kidnapped or something tomorrow morning because they were meeting at 7 a.m. I thought, really? The first day I'm here. This is this is going to be interesting. But sometimes you just kind of need to jump into those situations. And it was amazing. I have never experienced anything like that. We roasted marshmallows on the top. Your shoes get a little warm. So then you kind of have to move off of the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> when you're up there but it was amazing the second one with the Catanango was I was leading a trip with some friends from UNC um, to build some homes with this nonprofit, right but I had a friend I met during my internship uh, who wasn't affiliated with the nonprofit, but we ended up uh, becoming really close friends and I said hey what's up I'm gonna be coming back he said well we have to hike a volcano just like you wanted to do together 
So we ended up hiking one, and then we slept over on the volcano. And then uh, we woke up around 4.30 or 5, and then we saw the sunrise, and there were two volcanoes, um, uh, Fuego and then Paikaya, that are right near Akatanango when you're up so high. So we got to see the sunrise over other volcanoes, which is pretty cool. Did you pick up any like cool rocks? I know that um, I've had friends who've climbed like uh, volcanoes in Italy and such, and they've like brought back these cool rocks. I didn't pick up any rocks, actually. I'm, I'm living in a sunroom right now on Macaulay Street. So space is definitely limited over here, um, but we took a lot of cool photos. So the memories are definitely there. It's, it's funny because um, I was... I was planning to visit Guatemala before COVID happened, right? So it's like, uh, I, I wish I wish I could have traveled and just been to different places too, you know? Because you're leaving out the fact that you're going to come with us on this trip. <laughs> but okay, wait, this wait, man wait. had I to intern on the West Coast. So There you go. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you think, like, in what ways has your viewpoint on your own financial independence like changed by traveling to i hate to use the term but you know they call it like third world countries um and they just countries More that developing. are developing yeah and like countries that are just impoverished in some ways and do you think like that like how does that change your view when it comes to not i mean not just financial independence but just other things in general too yeah so i totally recognize my place as a white woman who grew up in the United States in a fairly educated area, right? So you, you have to be considerate of this supposed white savior complex when you're going to other countries just in general. Um, I was not going there to try to save anyone. I was trying to go there to discover something about the culture that you can figure out through building relationships in another culture, in another country, right? So. Um, and I just like construction work and just like Habitat for Humanity here. So I think what, what I've really learned, um, it, it's not quite about the financial aspect. It's more about the cultural aspect, but I can touch on the financial part as well. So the situation in Guatemala, there are a lot of families that live in cornstalk shacks um, that are kind of makeshift. And if there's really harsh weather, then they can just get toppled over. So it's kind of a rough situation. And a lot of families that I spoke with when I was, I interviewed 185 families as part of my internship, just about conditions for living. Um, they'd often get sick, maybe like six or eight times a year with the flu, the chills, the cold, a fever. Um, but you don't really see that in the United States. Um, and I think it's because we have this infrastructure here and I didn't realize how how big of a difference it was um in Guatemala you don't really have insulation in those kinds of homes you don't really have many roads that the the government helps to rebuild there's usually one lane roads that are a little broken um and then everyone they call they call them um like the traffic jams you have to go an hour and a half before you get to work because everyone is in the same lane 
when they're trying to go to work to Guatemala City from Antigua or other locations. So they're, they're just little things you might take for granted just because the infrastructure is different. Um, you also have to throw away toilet paper in the trash can because the plumbing system isn't can't necessarily handle all the toilet paper. However, I wouldn't say that has made me like, oh, I'm so grateful for what I have. It's just different because in Guatemala, they have a lot of things that we don't have. They have really strong family bonds. And I'm grateful that I have strong family bonds, but I have other friends who aren't that close with their family because we have a really individualistic society here, right? So they're very Catholic generally in Guatemala. I think generally in the United States, people are becoming less spiritual. And I'm not saying one way is right or wrong. I'm just saying they're different. Another thing, the food is really amazing. So (laughs) I would make uh, meals with my homestay, Mama Cristina, and I'd talk little politics with my um, homestay family, Don Gregorio. Um, And it was really cool. They didn't speak any English, so it was definitely jumping in, (laughs) but it was a really amazing time. Um, So a lot of things that I learned, maybe financial side, but cultural aspects as well, and then maybe some of the business side as well, because I was working with a nonprofit. No, it's really good that you bring that up. It, It really resonates with me because although I was born in India, I didn't really stay there for very long, right? So my first three years were living in India. Um, and so we visited very frequently, right? So like every two years, every three years. And those experiences kind of like humbled me in a sense, right? Because whenever people ask like, where's my favorite place to go? I'll say my family's village because one, like I'm disconnected from technology and like social media and I'm just calm and just, I'm, I'm focused on the present, you know, spending time with my family and stuff like that. And so hearing your story and how, you know, you felt these things when you went to Guatemala, like really resonates with me. That's awesome. And just to add on to that as well, when you talk about the individualistic versus collectivist culture, um, I mean, I've grown up in India for 13 years, um, and I can definitely resonate with that a lot. And like recently, I've found myself just staying away from social media. I've deleted my TikTok and Twitter just because I want to just focus on like, you know, my family and my friends in general as more, um, I think... I've realized like over time that a lot of online relationships are not as deep and sometimes tend to be a lot fake, just generally in fake in general. And, um, and if you, if you notice, you know, with all the activism that's happening and people are, you know, speaking for, and also against like all the injustices that are happening, um, the people that have the strongest communities are the ones that thrive the most and that usually get the voices uplifted the most. Um, which is why you hear so much about, you know, black power and, you know, re, you know, just, uh, and, you know, Asian Americans and African Americans and Latinos in general, because they do, do, they do tend to have this collectivistic, collectivistic mindset and they do tend to have a strong community that likes to help other people. And I think that's something that we really lack as Americans. Like for, for example, like my mom personally doesn't like being in this country because of the fact that she feels like she doesn't have a strong community here. She tries, she tries her best to, you know, make friends and do everything she can to mingle with other people. But she feels personally that for her, she's not able to uh, make that strong of a bond because she knows that if she's ever in trouble, um, the way she would get help in India is not going to be the same here. Like, 
um, like for example, like if someone is like lying across the street in India, you will probably get a bunch of people like just gather around and try to help the person out. Um, there's just a lot of like community aspect to it, which is like if you see someone like lying on the side of the road, you better hope that they've called 911 at that point, you know, They're, because people we are so busy in minding our own business that, um, yeah, we've just kind of lost sense of like what's going on around our world. I mean, I think it's it's pretty it's a pretty interesting topic, but um, yeah, I don't want to go too much into it, obviously. So yeah, yeah, and to add to that, right, you bring up a good point. Um, we were in Hindi class one day, and the teacher started talking about like when your grandparents visit, how do they feel? And it was interesting because he made me like picture my grandparents' view. How do they feel when they come to the U.S.? They feel isolated, right? Because they're in one house, like with just you know the four of us, my family, or close relatives. Whereas in India, it's like you have friends and family right next door, and you just have this feeling of community. You got a corner store like two feet away, and you know that sense of community is somewhat lost in the U.S. Like even in suburban areas, because you know you have to take a car everywhere or like walk long distances. So yeah. Uh, we completely forgot. Um, we, we've been talking about all these stories about you in Guatemala, but we haven't really asked about your organization <laughs> itself. So could you uh, briefly give a description of like what is um, From Houses to Homes and how did the idea come about um, and, and what are you doing currently with it? Sure. So From Houses to Homes, our UNC chapter is affiliated with a 501c3 nonprofit that's stationed in Guatemala that helps provide sustainable housing, healthcare, and education to families in rural communities. So I originally became involved with this organization back in high school. It was my sophomore year, and I was talking with a friend after spring break. I said, oh, did you have a relaxing spring break? What did you do? And she said, oh, I went to Guatemala, actually. And I had never been out of the country at that point. So I thought, Guatemala? What were you doing there? <laughs> So then she she went to tell me about how there's this nonprofit. They have built a school and a clinic where they provide free health care and uh, education to f these families, right? Um, in Santa Maria de Jesus, a certain community, that's one of the communities they work with. So I thought, wow, I want to get involved. How do I sign up, <laughs> right? So I ended up working with my friend and then another one in high school and then some parents helped out as well to lead a trip. And at that point, I was just a volunteer. I wasn't really a leader, but I grew immensely from that trip. It was my first trip abroad. So I wanted to open up the opportunity to other people. And that's why I founded From Houses to Homes at UNC my first year, my first semester, because I wanted to have other people have the opportunity to go and discover a bit more about themselves, become introspective on American culture, learn a bit more about Spanish, taste some awesome food, um, make some new friends. I definitely have lifelong friends that I've met there. So we have gone on two trips over spring break, spring breaks, um, my sophomore year and junior year. Fun fact, we actually were in Guatemala when all of the COVID stuff was happening in the United States and I was keeping up with the news and I was telling all the people that I was on the trip with, I thought, hey, so I'm keeping up with the news. They just banned travel from Europe. Like, we really need to think about this. And then they closed the borders the day we left for inbound and outbound flights for, I think it was two weeks. So we really lucked out there. But 
that's a high level of the organization. So our organization at UNC helps to um, provide opportunities at UNC to connect with some local Guatemalans. We have a Guatemalan professor, um, Dr. Emilio Del Valle Escalante. So he's come several times to speak with our group about um, the like um, unrest that's gone on in Guatemalan history. He's talked about Oh, like in Antigua, you're going to want to go to this place. Um, he's talked about Mayan communities. So it, it's been really great. And then we have a, a couple other volunteer opportunities that are construction related locally, like with Habitat for Humanity. Um, but the capstone experience is really going to Guatemala over spring break for about 10 days. And then you get like, to build homes and you get to meet the families that you build the home for. So I have really enjoyed that. And I've definitely visited the families that I've built for when I've gone on my other trips. Mm -hmm. It's cool how you like started this your freshman year, right? Something that, uh, you know, I've mentioned a lot on this podcast is I tried to do something in the nonprofit route this past year. And I found it really difficult uh, for any of our audience members out there who haven't tried to start a nonprofit, which is probably a lot of them. It's actually really <laughs> difficult. So how did you get people to buy into your idea and basically, you know, uh, follow you on this path to, you know, doing good in a community that's so far away and isn't as tangible for someone that's living in the U.S.? Yeah, that's a great question. If you don't mind me asking, what nonprofit did you try to start? Um, so uh, uh, basically, I my family's from a village, right? And so my, my goal was to try and help improve the education there. And so I did a bunch of research. I partnered with the nonprofit. And the only thing that was left to do was raise funds. And because of COVID, um, you know, I lost some support, I lost some backing. And then, you know, everything just fell apart because even in India, like, schools closed everybody like just stopped working for about a month they're all quarantining so it fell back uh, it fell apart and then I don't know I, I mean to pick it up at some point um I'm hoping sooner rather than later but it's just hard to find people who are just as committed to the same idea yeah commitment is a thing um I will not flex at all like this was a linear line and I know people say that and you, what you don't see is behind the scenes. Sometimes you're stressed. You think, is this going to work out? I don't know. But what has really helped me is leveraging things that already exist when you're trying to start something. So for example, with From Houses to Homes, we leveraged the nonprofit that already exists. We talked about how many houses they built. They had built about 1,200 homes at the point when we were starting our chapter at UNC. Um, I had gone on a trip before, so I leveraged the experiences that I already had and we had a plan and we had an agenda an itinerary for what our previous trip looked like. So I had connections that I had met there. So then you leverage these things that are already there, right? For getting people behind a movement, there's really no template. I wish I could just give you a template. Um, something that has helped me is connecting with your friends at first who are really interested in something and then um, once you have you want to make sure the first people that get a taste of whatever you're starting are really happy because those are the stories that people will tell when they're talking about your organization oh I was on a founding team and then I did xyz with like abc impact it impacted me because I'm changed in this way 
I love hearing people's stories because I feel like I get a bit of their life that I can take with me even after the conversation is over. And I think storytelling is really helpful for people to paint a picture of what exactly it is, especially if it's abroad, right? I think having tangible impact and a plan, people like that, right? Because you have the the steps laid out in front of you of we're going to do this. And then you just speak it into existence. The first time we were taking the trip, I was nervous. I had never led a trip before. We didn't have any chaperones. I was the chaperone and I was, what, 19, 18 at the time. Um, so you can say I was a little uh, interested in how it was going to turn out, but everyone was safe the whole time. And I think you just have to leverage things that already exist, basically. It really helps if you have communities and networks with organizations that you can leverage and say, oh, we're partnered with this organization. And then you can borrow some of their credibility with their history so that it shows, oh, well, if they can get this organization on board, I must trust them too. So I think that those are some of the bits that have helped me um, through this experience. Do you think, um, you know, since obviously in my experience with From Houses to Homes, like I know sometimes it's difficult for someone that doesn't have the money to, you know, to raise money to go on a trip to Antigua, right, for example. Um, and especially with the nature of nonprofit, it is nonprofit. And when you're not making any profit, sometimes it, it is really hard to find that source of income to really help the people in need because, you know, you want everyone that is in your team to be able to go to these countries and actually experience, you know, all the good things that you have learned personally and all the people in your community has learned, have learned personally and you want the same for everyone else as well. Um, do you think there is such thing as like a nonprofit burnout? And if there is, like, how do you deal with that? I think, yes, there is. But it, I think it's when your passion dies, which is very sad. So I think you need to be constantly reminded of the impact that you're making so that the fire stays alive. And I think that that is a way of making sure people have commitment level. Um, I think it's very tough if you're beating your head against the wall and then you're not seeing a difference. Maybe you just need to change your steps to get to point B from point A, right? So I think that, that I've seen it before and it's usually when the passion dies out that people leave an organization. I think when just being around like different Slack groups of people looking for internships and group me's. Um, I see there's a lot of good stigma for nonprofits, but there's also a lot of bad stigma because people always say it's a unpaid, it's an unpaid internship because obviously, you know, you're trying to run as lean as possible to help the people in need. And I think a lot of times what you really need is a shift in mindset that you're not really doing it for the money, you're doing it to really empower and help people. Um, and I think that's what's important in that sense. So yeah thank you for sharing that so i can get behind the you want to help people aspect i think trying to serve the public is great however i think there are pockets of money that people just don't know about so it's really just about asking around whether it's crowdfunding for oh i on um you know like gofundme i'm sure people could post uh gofundme for hey i have this unpaid internship I'm helping these communities. 
doesn't have to be in Guatemala. It could be anywhere. But people will share that. I've shared group um, GoFundMes on my Facebook before for a friend who wanted to study abroad during the summer because he comes from a low-income background. I thought, great. I will share this with my network. I, other people have money. Great. Um, for We had some uh, Carolina Covenant scholars who came with us to Guatemala, actually, and they said, okay, money's really tight. So we actually ran a fundraising gala um, and you talk about, oh, like, do you have any kind of burnout with nonprofits? So we had this goal of $2,500 for this gala and we made like 1500 and they went home. I was very disappointed. I thought we failed. But then I was researching with my group of leaders and then we found student government at UNC that you can apply for funding and we ended up getting $10,000 from them. So even if you fail, you just need to keep looking because your next big break might just be around the corner. So I think it's really the passion and the dedication that carry through and allow you to go on and have some success later on. Do you think that... Yeah. And uh, I mean, just just, you, add, it's just ask, it. quickly ask a question, right? So... Do you, do you know, you know me too well at this point, dude. Um, yeah. I want to actually ask your definition of a good leader. Cause I think what it sounds like with you is something I agree with. A leader is someone, or basically if I want to achieve a goal as a leader, even if I'm working for a company, I don't have to be a leader. I think having the, the quality of, um, perseverance and just being able to know that if you believe in this goal and if you try your best to make it happen, it will happen. And keeping that positive mindset is very, very important. Do you think that's true? or And what other ways would you define a good leader to be? Well, I think it really depends on the situation. And maybe that's a cop-out answer. I'm owning it. <laughs> so <laughs> a good leader, right? You could have a great middle manager. Not everyone's going to be the CEO. You need someone who is willing to communicate with someone above them and then also communicate a vision to the people below them, right? Someone who's organized. I think that you can serve a great role in that sense. For someone who's a visionary, it really depends on your skill set. So I think everyone can be a leader in their own sense if you're a programmer, right? And then you want to help out your friends with their coding assignments. Anikath is like, oh. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but, it, yeah. you know, you can help out your friends if they need some help with their assignment or you take ownership and go to office hours and then you're taking the lead in your own life and making things happen. It doesn't necessarily have to be with getting a lot of people behind a mission, but you need to have some proactivity, um, have clear steps about how to get to a, from A to Z, and have passion because if you're not excited about what you're doing then you're not going to put your full heart into it yeah and speaking of leaders Ankush was a great leader right so uh when this podcast <laughs> first started over a year ago i was i was in that such came a out of nowhere right? was a great leader no <laughs> no because she was talking about like how you know if you help like individual people achieve their goals like she was talking about that and i just thought about you immediately right so when we first started this podcast, I was in like a completely lost place, place, right? And I'm still lost, but not as lost. I was like, I really like medicine, but at the same time, I find a lot of interest in entrepreneurship and business. And I always had, right? So I came into UNC thinking I was going to double major in econ and business, 
I mean, econ or business and pre-med, which was just, just a big mistake, right? Because that's just going to be way too much. <laughs> we know people have done it, but I, I couldn't do it. Um, so I, I kind of fell back on my uh, business ideas until this past year. And I was like, I actually really enjoy this. And then I spoke with Ankush and he was like, this is what you got to do, man. If this is something that you're interested in, just get your foot in the door, see if you enjoy it and just keep it going. So he got me uh, an internship. Um, he showed me all these different sites that can help build my resume, stuff like that. And in similar ways that he's been helping me, I like helping people who are you know younger than me and who are going through the same things. Because uh, I'll give you an example, right? So uh, last year, one of my friends had just come to Chapel Hill and he was pre-med and he failed his first chem exam, which is like a rite of passage for any pre-med student. It's like, that's when you know you first realize, oh snap, this ain't high school anymore. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just like being there for people and Ankush was there for me. So a little mushy segment, and I it's guess. Funny, it's little... funny you mentioned that because Nikita was there for me sophomore year when I was making my LinkedIn and asking her how to write emails. And it's it's funny because like it's it's basically like a ripple effect, right? It's like the knowledge that Nikita passed to me, I'm passing it to you, you're passing it to other people. And it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's just amazing. And this is why... One of the reasons why I love UNC and because we have this thriving community of people that really want to help. And, you know, someone like Nikita, like I know that has been fortunate to have these experiences. Um, and she's give she's you're doing your best to give back to the community with CYC, Launch Local and, you know, from houses to home. So thank you for that, obviously. Thank you for saying that. And I, I totally agree about the ripple effects. The thing is, is if you share your story with someone else, and they can take it on or they can have an opportunity of their own that you create for them, then they'll have their own stories and then they'll share with their networks. And then you really don't know how far along the ripple effects go. So I can give a, a brief example about this. With From Houses to Homes, I took a couple of my friends, Ellie and Reagan, on a trip with me, right? And they helped to, they climbed, I got the Nango with me, the volcano, uh, the second one. So we went together and now they're co-presidentes, they're co-presidents of the organization, but they organized an internship where they recruited like 24, 25 other students from across the United States. And now others are founding from houses to homes chapters at their universities. And they raised like $70,000 during the summer. So the thing is, is, I didn't know. I couldn't have foreseen other chapters being started at other universities when I sat down at my laptop and I was filling out the paperwork for UNC founding a club, right? You don't know. But the thing is, is if you you try to share your experiences with other people um, and open opportunities for them, then you're going to inspire the people. Yeah. And shout out to... Ellie and Shrey. Big shout outs. You know I had to. Huge. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, no, feel free to shout out everybody. We, we like to like shamelessly plug people too whenever they come on the show. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, as someone who's um, you know, passionate about, I was, I was going to lead up the segment. Do you want to talk about something? Oh, yeah. I wanted to bring up something that we passed a couple minutes back. Cool. Um, okay, go ahead. Actually, this has okay. This isn't a question. This is more of a statement, right? So, on the topic of leveraging, right? This was way back. Okay. Um, 
only recently have we actually been able to do that. When we first started this podcast, it was so hard to get people to buy into what we were doing, right? Because it's like, who's going to want to listen to some college students talk about some random stuff? But over time, you know, we've built a following, we've built viewership, so much so that this past week, um, one of our friends, uh, a friend of the show, Case of Javadi's running for office, when he asked, he was like, hmm, what, what is your podcast about? Can you give me some statistics? And I was like, oh, we have these many views, we have these many followers, this is how many episodes in we are. And he was just like, wow, this is crazy. I, I need to go on this show at some point. And, you know, we're hoping that over time, like this following grows big enough so that we can approach some of our idols that we've been like eyeing since the inception of this podcast at like two o'clock in the you wanna, morning. You want to chat, chat them out real quick? Nah, I'm good. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it. I don't need to be made fun of. <laughs> I, I, I wrote down like fully detailed emails as to what I was going to send these famous people. And I sent them to Ankush, not realizing how stupid it was until the morning after. And I was like, this is really dumb. <laughs> I was like, I not it. yet. Not yet. Let's let's hit up to at least 1K followers. You know, we, when we have a good traction going, that's when I think we can start reaching out more. But, you know, who knows? Like Nikita said, it's, it's all about leveraging, you know, any opportunity you have around you. So, and that's what we try to do as well, right? Anyone that wants to come to our pod- podcast, just... We're always open to you guys just contacting us or reaching out to us and we would love to have you. So, Okay. Um, yeah. So as someone that is passionate about empowering communities, because we were just talking about that. So how did you come up with the idea of Launch Local? I mean, well, it wasn't just your idea. I know there are several co-founders, but how did you come up with it? Because it's, it's amazing, obviously. Yeah. And also in that same breath, um, just like explain what launch local is um what are you guys working on and what what are your goals i can we both can just talk about it at the same time because i'm also there great question yeah Yeah, kush has (laughs) just joined um he's managing a project so i i won't try to take any too much of the spotlight from him as well um so (laughs) big picture launch local (laughs) is a nonprofit i've started with some friends who work full-time in tech and consulting and the nonprofit provides digital resilience services for free to local businesses across the US. So what exactly does that look like? We provide website development services, search engine optimization, social media management training for local business owners. We work with college student teams over four to six week long projects. And uh, we, we organize these projects around quantifiable impact. Our target market quote, target market, right, (laughs) is uh, local mom and pop shops across the United States who don't have much digital skill set, like don't have much um, digital skills. So we're we're trying to empower two communities, really. The first community is uh, these local business owners because they're getting these services for free and they otherwise may have had to spend either thousands of dollars on some Um, coder who would come in or a private consultant but then we're also empowering college students because they want to build their resumes they want to learn more technical skills and uh, help out local businesses and get client-facing experience so then they can talk about their interviews and then they can help out either big companies or they go into the nonprofit space so definitely the dual community side now you asked about what our goals are and where we are currently So I'll go to where we are currently before what our big goals are. Right now, um, we started back in November 
and we have our website up and running. We have about 60 analysts that are waiting to get staffed on projects from across the United States. So we have a good <laughs> bit of students who are super passionate about this. They're like, how can I get started? Very cool. Um, and then we're actually working on uh, our, I just finished up managing our first project with Classic Carolina, which is a UNC apparel shop, uh, minority owned mom and pop business that didn't have a website before last year. So there's that one. And then Kush, do you want to talk about our second project? Cause you're managing that mm -hmm. one. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely want to touch up my experience with Launch Local. Um, it has been absolutely amazing. So I'm working for uh, a local copy shop in Castle Rock, Washington. Um, and it's basically a coffee shop that needs help with, you know, search engine optimization and just marking themselves online, making posts online, improving their reviews, um, anything that we can do digitally to help them be successful, especially during the times of COVID where, you know, businesses are lacking these, this traffic that, you know, they normally wouldn't have. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I've always wanted to be a project manager. I wanted to get that experience. Um, I got a little bit of shadow experience in IBM and I always wanted to get more experience. So I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do that with Launch Local. And yeah, it has, it's been absolutely amazing. I just showed Nikita the website just, uh, just a couple of minutes ago. And then I, I, I hope that you were impressed. So it was awesome, um, Kush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but our team is very much focused on not only providing, you know, just services to, you know, anyone in need of any sort of digital, I'm just like losing my words, just like digital help in general. But like, at the same time, we're also very good at providing trainings to other students, like you just talked about, like, my next, my next job right after basically, we're done with the project. So our next task is going to be documentation where I'm going to go in and make YouTube videos and documenting how I made the website in the first place. So other students that are coming in can get that inside training of like how stuff is being done, right? So for me, um, I really enjoy like reading through the slideshows that you guys did on search engine optimizations and reviews and, you know, different things in general. So I feel like I personally learned a lot just being here because, you know, being in college, um, a lot of times classes don't give you the skills that you need to really be successful in the real world. So that's where, you know, real experiences and just looking at documentation of people that have done real, you know, concrete work that actually helps people. Um, it makes a lot of difference. So, um, yeah, I've loved, I've definitely loved my time and uh, I'm just very excited to see where, where Launch Local goes. So it's been exciting. Mm -hmm. No, no, I, I heard about Launch Local through Ankush and when I first heard about it, I was like, wow, this is really interesting, right? Because, um, you know, there's so many different like stores on Franklin Street, but when you look online, like they don't have a presence, right? So like Shrunken Head before this year, um, you know, you'd have to go there in person. And, you know, with the pandemic, it was like, I can't get anything there. I actually went looking for masks the other day. And I think I went to the student stores for some reason. And then I realized they don't really have many options here. And Shrunken Head is just like, that's their brand. Like they're focused on all things Carolina. So it felt a lot more like genuine and their, their stuff was just a lot better. So I think by connecting them, it's like you're not, you know, you're giving them accessibility um, in a market where, you know, recently it's been overrun by like these companies where they just like mainstream everything and it's just like uh, prints on t-shirts with no meaning and it's just, you know, wasting um, products. But yeah.
Nikita, so what can you recommend regarding practicing cases and behavioral components of interviews? Um, so like what is the best way or resources to use in order to improve uh, when it comes to interviews for consulting in general? Sure. So I can give you a big picture on consulting in general with the interviews. Um, there are usually two parts for many firms. The first part is a behavioral interview, which is what you think about. Tell me a time when. And the second part is unique to consulting, which is called a case interview, which is where they give you a business case or a situation that a client might bring to a partner, which is a leader of a consulting firm. And they say, hey, I have this problem. I don't really know what's going on. Let's say the company has been losing profitability over the past five years. They're not really sure why. So then you come in as the consultant, as the interviewee, and then you problem solve right in front of them. And it, it's really composed of you ask some questions at the beginning, you make a framework of what problems you'd like to discuss or address in your analysis, you do some analysis, which usually includes math. And then the final step is you have a conclusion at the end where you say to address the key question of decreasing profitability over the past five years, I recommend that you uh, pursue more revenue streams through this new product offering. There are a couple of risks based on the market. Uh, but overall, we can mitigate these risks by doing more customer research. I'd be happy to dive into this new project with you, and I can introduce you to my partner. Like, you already know the partner. But that, that's, that's kind of what it's like. Um, so how exactly you do that, right? So I um, there's a lot of resources out there on the internet. However, there's a varying quality of the resources. So what I've actually done with my my friend Gabe Busloff is um, he's going to work at Deloitte postgrad. He's my year. He's a senior at UNC as well in, in the business school. Um, we've put our heads together and then we've actually made a really robust Google Drive with the resources that students need to succeed, basically. So we've split it up by an introduction of what the heck is consulting, how do you network, what's networking about, how do you tackle the behavioral interview, what's the case interview about, um, all that stuff. So it's in a very concise manner. And then we have a little table of contents at the front. We also have stuff about LinkedIn, how to write LinkedIn messages. So these are all skills you might need to master to get either a referral to a consulting firm to get an interview or when you're actually interviewing or on the job. So we have that huge Google Drive. I'm happy to share it with you guys after that, after this. So then you can share it. And then, cause you, there's so much knowledge. You just want to pass it down to people. So please, if you have some younger viewers on this as well, they can really benefit from this, even if they're just uh, exploring consulting as an option. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Nikita, what would your advice be to incoming freshmen or just anybody in general who's interested in, you know, consulting or starting their own nonprofit or any kind of business? Sure. So, specifically um, at UNC, there's this program for minority students called the Allison Mentorship Program. So, they have a lot of funding and networking opportunities for people interested in business to get in the business school. 
Um, but in general, for people coming into college and considering career opportunities, try on as many careers as you can. I came in thinking I was going to be an actuary, which is a financial risk analyst. You do a lot of stats and math. And I took this English class where we did a consulting project with a local business. And that was really what struck my interest. I thought, oh, wow, problem solving. I know I'm good at it with math. But consulting, it's problem solving through working with other people. How interesting. So it's really the experiences that I've had that have shaped my view of what I'm interested in. So I would really highly recommend to just try on as many things as you can um, when you're coming in. And then on the consulting side, I would recommend definitely talking with people who have the roles that you want because they can give you the cheat codes on how they got the job or how their perspective is. And if you think when you're talking to them, oh, this, I don't really vibe with this person. Maybe you talk to a few more people and if you don't vibe with them, maybe that's a sign that you don't really want to go down that path. It's just a sign to keep exploring. It's okay if you don't like something that you try on because you want to try things on very early and then you'll figure out what you like because you don't want to be a senior and then realize you didn't like something that you studied all four years. Well, that was a absolutely great advice. Um, Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Nikita. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Yeah. Anika, do you want to just wrap it up real quick? Yeah, so with those last words of wisdom, um, this has been the Dauntless Dreaming Podcast. Thank you, Nikita, for being on the show. Um, Again, we'll leave links in the description. Uh, Thank you. Uh, We'll leave links in the description. Um, We'll tag her on our posts and, you know, just keep up with what Nikita's doing. I have a feeling she's going to be doing a lot of things in the next couple of years. Dude, I don't just have a feeling. I know. We're going to have a business together. You already know if that's the plan. You already know. Thank you so much, Anikath and Kush. This has really been my pleasure.